Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 102. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever, two very sad blokes today, that have known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant, and with me is a slightly depressed Scott. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, I got a great tweet this morning to say, Scott, can you just get on and say the Essendon Football Club sucked last night and then play the end credits? Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's not far from, I kind of read, yeah, that's actually not a bad suggestion. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, it, wouldn't be, we wouldn't be lying. I'll uh, give you the hot tip. <laughs> Let's go over this game, hey. Uh, look, one thing, it's, you know, in a weird way, I'm actually excited for the show because we get, uh, a really good level-headed voice that is going to speak to us in Cal Toomey yes. from AFL.com. Essendon fans know Cal Toomey, know his credentials, very well respected, has a great uh, insight into the Essendon Football Club, has the relationships, always at training. So to have... Uh, someone like Callon, I think I really needed today because I didn't know how I was going to do a 40-minute show of saying we play terrible. Uh, yep. So we thought we would at least uh, offer up some different kind of questions to him. So he's going to come on after the break. But Grant, the siren goes, we lose by 42. Uh, yeah, the last quarter we may have, you know, kicked three or four goals. But yeah, that yeah, first yeah. half, um, how did you think for me it was – just three tackles a quarter time. You just can't. You can't start yeah. a game and apply yourself like that. No, nah, mate. I, I I've had a period of time where I um I punched the pillow. I've uh, I've <laughs> I've yelled into the into the night, and um I'm a, I'm a much better person than I was at full time last night. But I've tried to sort of weigh up the question I've had going through my mind when I ate my, my cornflakes this morning was. Is this a really, really bad loss and we should be teeing, not, well, not teeing off on the club, but we really should be concerned about a loss like that? Or is this the loss that a lot of other clubs have had and, okay, it speaks to Essendon's overall consistency? Now, I was 60-40 last night on it's a really bad loss and it's one that we had to win and all of the things that Scott and I have said on the podcast that – we need to be ruthless. We need to be professional. We need to continue to win games like this when they're very winnable and that sort of stuff, right? So 60-40 along the lines of being really disappointed and and sort of annoyed that we've lost that game again. Waking up this morning, it's another day. And again, from talking to Cal Toomey, we, we spoke to him just before the podcast um, and rec- pre-recorded. Um I think it's a disappointing loss, yes, but now I'm sort of 55-45 on the side of we're 4-2, and two, we've got a game in hand. We've played better than that. We can see that we've played better than that, and I hope it doesn't sound like I'm making excuses, but I think we're a better team than we saw last night. So I'm going to that lid, that hand that I had on the lid recently, because I thought we were really trending in the right direction. Okay, fine. We're not trending in the right, super-duper right direction that I can be even thinking about taking the lid off. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's see from the club, because I love the club to death. Let's see 
give them the benefit of the doubt to see whether they bounce back. Yep. So I'm 55-45 along the lines of last night was poo. It was a large <laughs> pile of caca and it's not acceptable. So let's see now what the club does about it. We've yeah, got yeah. an exceptionally winnable game. No, not winnable. We should beat Adelaide. They're on the bottom of the ladder. Adelaide are a unmitigated mess at the moment, right? So that should be five, six goal win for the for this club. And again, this is the this is the little mini test that the Essendon Footy Club continues to put on themselves when they don't win these winnable games because then they have to beat Adelaide next week. It's it's that simple. We have to beat Adelaide next week um, to continue to prove that we're a contender for this year um, and that we're we're better than a, a game like that against the dog. So 55-45 in favour of four and two, game up the sleeve, Adelaide next week. You've got to look forward to a better performance than we did last night. No, no, that's that's all a fair call. Uh, anyway, obviously you, when you sleep on it and you wake up, you you see the ladder, you see all, all not as, you know, no, it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, uh, look, it's, it's, it's a tricky one because my first thought after the game, right, and that's this is more fan emotions, like I didn't want to see that kind of performance. Uh, I was hoping that that kind of performance was a little bit removed from our club. Um, and then, you know, I started to think about Richmond, Collingwood, um, and they've all they've all had performances like that. They're like nearly every club, uh, maybe outside of Port and maybe Brisbane, uh, have had really poor games. And it's very hard to know with the whole moving the Gold Coast how this whole year has been bizarre. Uh, how much mentally it's taxing. You know, all the Essendon guys had their families go up yesterday. Um, you know. Did that disrupt, you know, suddenly seeing your family before? Yeah, it's it's very hard. It's uh, And I know it sounds like we're making excuses, but it's happening to every club. Like every club, it's been a very unusual year. Every club's having really yeah. bad games. Yeah. So it, it's not like we, you know, we can't just isolate it to just us. But saying that, um, we... I expected a better effort last night. I, I, there's no other way around it. I expected us to compete more. Uh, it, it did feel very one-sided. It felt like the scoreboard flattered us as well, if, if I'm being honest. It felt like a 60, 70-point loss. So that's the frustration. I, look, I wasn't as confident. Uh, I, I'm going to have a bit of a moment on honesty here. I, I had a friend who does footy tips and asked me, who do you think is going to win? And just before the game, I said, look, I keep looking at the the side by side team and keep forgetting who's out of this side, uh, and I told him that I said, look, you know, if I'm a betting man, I st- actually think the Bulldogs might have the edge, uh, and but I didn't want to, you know, I obviously thought we could easily win, um, but I I thought it was a generally a fifty fifty game, and I was hoping it was going to be a tight, tough contest. And I wasn't expecting us to blow them out of the water, or, or but I wasn't expecting them <laughs> to blow us out of the water. So yeah. th- I think that's it. I I think I don't want to over overpraise where our team was at, and we just should have just turned up and won because no, you know, you know, you you have Stringer, Heppel, 
she'll go through the midfield. Um, you know, you have different lo- different um, players coming in, and 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 we do we do probably gain a bit of confidence out of that and have a bit of better structure. Uh, but saying that, uh, what I said to you this morning, Grant, was no matter who played that game, if we came in with that attitude that we came in and quarter time at three tackles, we, we could have had 18 Joe Danahars. We wouldn't have won the game. So that's that's the overall overarching thing as a club is we lost it and with our approach. Absolutely, man. That's that's the uh, 100%. I think we're, we're aligned on that in that the one thing, the real big worry for me, the a big part of the 45% for me is the – perceived and we asked Cal to me the question like there, there's a am I being too harsh um with what I call a, a perceived lack of effort from the players we just looked slow we looked we went back into that old habit of not wanting to get the ball first but then now nah, don't worry about getting the ball first because I'll deal with it where it's handballed to so when the guy on the on the bottom of the pack handballs it out, I'll deal with that guy um, that gets it second, as opposed to us getting it first. So I'm a little worried, and more than worried, about that aspect of the game for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm with I'm with you on what you said, but I'm I'm just a little worried that after one quarter of football, it was blatantly obvious the the level of intensity that we were on, and it wasn't anywhere near the dogs. No. Um, and again, against Collingwood, though, this is the strange thing is that against Collingwood, we were getting beaten. We come out after, I think it was three quarter time or half time or whatever it was, and flicked a switch and just went ape droppings on them. And it, the intensity was incredible. The intensity was there. We just don't have that consistency to be able to do it um, week in, week out at the moment. So that's the only no. thing for me that that's a real worry. And again, you you, you do have to. You do have to con- like bring put into account the stringers and the um, the Heppels and the Danahers and those kind of things. Like they're they're players that would make our side infinitely better, but they ain't there. Um, and it's an interesting point you raised about is the the huddle the huddle sorry no the huddle the hub, hub. <laughs> um, affecting those guys and the 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 families coming up and that sort of stuff. We've heard Wusher probably more than truck, but we've heard Wusher say that the the COVID training and all the training methods and the modified this and the modified that, and then even what's his name, the, the new high performance strength coach came out and said, no, 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 there's been there's no there's no interruptions to our training program. It's it is what it is now. The players are playing through it. So I think it's got to be a bit weird for them, training and playing at Royal Pines and and then playing at Metricon and stuff like that's got to be weird for him, but we've got to be better and more professional to say that we're turning up on a ground, a football ground that's like any other football ground. And we have to be, we have to perform better than we did um, and show more uh, intensity. I think that's probably a better word, more intensity than what we did. Yeah. um, Well said. Uh, Look, normally, obviously we're not going to do it this week. Normally we obviously go through stats and that, but there's nothing to praise about that. Uh, so look for us, it was just better to get Cal to me on the line, uh, and have a, have a conversation. And, uh, it's probably, you probably don't need to hear from us cause we're emotive fans, <laughs> but I mean, hopefully we've got a balanced yeah. view, but Cal's such a good thinker of the game. So look, let's get him on the line. Uh, and we'll, we'll have a chat with him after the break. 
Uh, welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Joining us now is AFL.com.au reporter, Mr. Callum Toomey. G'day, Callum. Thanks for coming on. G'day, Grant. Scott, how are you guys? Obviously, I think you probably could be a little bit better waking up on a Saturday morning uh, after a Friday night like that, but yeah, good to be chatting with you anyway. Thanks, mate. Yeah, look, we... Uh... <laughs> That's a bit of an understatement, really. We we on the last podcast, I sort of mentioned that I had my hand, just my hand on the lid. I was about to take <laughs> the lid off um, on the season for us, um, but it was a, absolutely a a sobering game of football for me. I think um, we've got high, we've got great highs, we've got great highs against Collingwood, and we've got just really equally bad lows against the Dogs. So, mate, how did you see the game? Just as an overall. Uh, as, as an overall summary. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys would have spoken about this already, but it was just a walloping, wasn't it? And you could feel yeah. it coming pretty early watching on. I mean, even the first quarter when they were going goal for goal, it felt like the Bulldogs were well on top. And it seemed like probably for the most I've seen from Essendon this year, they were so panicked and rushed and they didn't seem to have any time at any point of the game. Even the forward forays early were a little bit lucky. Yeah. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, they were just smashed. And it was, a, as you say, sobering's a, a pretty good word to use. I think it was probably a performance that, I, you hate to say it, but a lot of Essendon supporters would have been um, feeling might be coming at, at any given point. Mm. Uh, as a footy club, it's been a trend that just they can't escape the the ability to show some good things and then fall back to back in the pack you know, very quickly. So uh, it felt like after a good period of time and the restart had been mainly pretty good, um, the Carlton game was pretty disappointing, but uh, Carlton played quite well that night too, so yeah. credit to them. And Carlton should have won by plenty more than one point that night as well. But overall, since the restart, Essendon's been pretty good. But, yeah, they were they were absolutely smashed and deserved to lose by probably even a little bit more than they did on Friday night. And yeah. they were already lost by a fair bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, at quarter time, I mean, obviously me and Grant are texting <laughs> and, and um, you know, I've said, mate, it's three tackles at quarter time. I said, this side, uh, God love them. If they want to play Western Bulldogs football, they're going to get absolutely thumped because they have to have pressure around the contest uh, and contested footy to be competitive because we can't outskill the Bulldogs uh, playing their game style, and and so when when I saw the quarter time, and you could tell there was just little pressure on, on the on the Bulldogs guys, it, it felt very overwhelming. Like I think I even texted saying this looks very inevitable of what's happening going to happen mm. for the rest of the game, and that's kind of where I kind of see our our, our side is uh, as much as you know I've heard all the commentary of like oh you know we lost at the selection table and and we didn't do coaching moves and, and you can dissect all that but if this club doesn't approach the game with uh, a professional application and desire to pressure the other side then everything else breaks down yeah and they're not good enough to rely on stars and they're not good enough to just rely on a certain number of players each week to lift them up. They haven't had the, the lift me up player for a long, long time. I don't even know who it is. Maybe Watson. Maybe yeah, Watson yeah. was the last player mm-hmm. that you could turn to in a, in a time of crisis and and say he's a player that you think will probably lift you up when when the going gets tough. I don't. I think it's hard to see who that player is in the team at the moment. I don't know if you guys have got a view maybe, on that, but maybe maybe Jakey Stringer when he's fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's um, he's definitely someone that has the versatility as well. So he can not just, you know, if he's stifled in the forward line, he can go in the midfield too to, to make an impact. So that helps. But I still don't think that he's probably yeah. the, the star that um, 
can carry the top four teams. So when they come up against a side that has proven, I know it's several years ago, but they've still done it and, and they've they've still had more recent success than anything at Essendon, yeah. um, you have to think that there's still a fair way off. And, yeah, I, I, I went to bed last night thinking – the hopes were there pre-game, and I think that was probably a test. I spoke to a few people in the lead-up, and you think, you know, there's been a little bit of talk about Essendon this week, you know, four and one, uh, with a game in hand, going pretty well. Haven't beaten that much. Collingwood was a good, a good win, but probably got them at the best possible time. And and that was the game that if you can get across the dogs, and it's probably a bit of vindication for the hope and, and the, um, I guess, the improvement that we've seen. And to put in a performance like that was... I think pretty disappointing on that one, front. Because, one thing, uh, you know, you've got the Crows next week and yeah. you'd be expected to beat the Crows um, the way they're going, even if it is at Adelaide Oval. So, you know, you start to think ahead and, geez, could you could be 6-1 and one with a game in hand, all that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I then, was, uh, and I was, I was a victim of that of going, oh, if we could get over this game, we could literally. Yeah, be Scotty, six and, Scotty one. and I were talking on that very subject. You, you do exactly what Scotty just said. You go, oh man, there's so every game is so important this season, and six and one would have been incredible, but it it just didn't work out that way. Cal, I want to get your opinion. When Scott and I first started watching the match, and we just start rifling SMSs at each other, are we being too harsh on the club when my instinct tells me to say that there was a lack of effort. It just seemed like the dogs were, they wanted it more. They were going harder at it and they wanted it more. Is that too harsh to say of the club or am I, am I missing something? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, uh, being very separated from the club, particularly at the moment, it's, it's hard to know. Yeah what the build-up was like and all that type of thing. And you probably have to give them a little bit of leeway too in that every team this year has had that that game or two yeah. so yeah, far. That's a good point. That's a good so, point. So, you know, is every team try, not trying hard enough one week or another? I don't yeah. know. Maybe they're just not good enough to cover the losses and, and maybe Shear was the tipping point mm. um, to miss him in that yeah. group and you throw him in alongside uh, Jake Stringer who they've, you know, really struggled to cover up forward. Joe Danaher clearly... And also Dyson Heppel. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure they had been missing Heppel that much. But if you throw on Shield on top of Heppel, that all of a sudden brings a lot more pressure and, and less depth in the midfield where you see. And, know, and- it's good to see Parrish get some time in there. But also um, they had this, this sort of rotation in terms of McGrath and, and certainly Zach Merritt's not hitting the sort of heights that he would have hoped for so far this year. And so uh, it certainly um, is sort of. You know, death by a thousand cuts, I guess, and, and the, maybe the last cut was was losing Shield. I think the the Shield Stringer and Happel uh, omission. I, I quickly, I mean, I had a quick look at who was playing last night, and I counted, uh, and I'll, I'll try and correct me if I'm wrong. Probably eleven of the twenty two players were around six foot or under, and, and it felt like a small, um, uh, light physical side I, I, and I know this you know the Cahill I'm not even one that's gonna not have any knocks on Cahill or even Ham at this point they're, they're just they're just they're just starting their careers but we it felt like a an experienced strong Bulldogs midfield that just absolutely got physicality over us and, and we just could not handle uh, that kind of impact. We looked very small to me, uh, and maybe that's a selection table because you do have, you know, 
you do have still options. I, for me, I don't know what you think. I I felt an Aaron Francis in that at a half forward would have actually at least helped a little bit of the structure last night uh, over a Cahill, uh, and that's not that's not knocking the debutant, but just a, an impact of a of a guy going going for his marks. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think you've got to be finding a way to play Aaron Francis every single week, and the excuse should be to get him in, not to leave him out. That's that's my point of view on Francis. I mean, he's missed a lot of footy over, what's his fifth year now? So it's his yeah. fifth year. Has he played, I don't even know off the top of my head, how many games he's played. He wouldn't have played 50 games, mm. I wouldn't have thought. So, um, well, he, he wouldn't have. So I just think that um, yeah, he should be putting as many games into him as possible when he's fit. And, oh, look, could they have put him forward? Could that have released Jacob Townsend to actually actually play the midfield role that he was brought to the club to play? Um, I know he hasn't trained there much this year, but he came to the Bombers looking for an opportunity, clearly. But the talk was around him playing as a, as a big-bodied midfielder to help to be the bash-and-crash support for Zach Merritt and Parrish and McGrath. Yeah. And it hasn't eventuated once. Because of circumstances, he had to play above his height deep forward, and he's done some good jobs. He, he played well on Wiedering. He played well on um, Darcy Moore. Also, Robbie Tarrant did a bit of a role there too. So he's a bit of a defensive forward in some ways and a, and a competitor. But I'd be playing Francis there because he can actually mark and he's a good kick as well and at least get him some more games. He just has to play 80 games. Somehow he has to get to 80 games. He's played Francis. 30, by the way. How many? 30? 30, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's a long way to 80, isn't it? It's another three years of, <laughs> of full games, basically. Um, I'd, I'd love to. That's one question I really would love to ask the Bombers. Like, what is the story with Aaron Francis? Like, okay, he's he's up there. He's probably training along. Um, I assume he's fit, like able to play. Yeah, he's fit, yeah. He's fit. And why, with a kid that's clearly got so much talent and that we fought so hard to keep to, at the club, why is he not in the immediate plans? Like the absolute immediate plans. And like maybe even Aaron Francis could, and I know maybe he hasn't quite got the engine, but maybe Aaron Francis could do the stringer role and as a pinch hit, go into the midfield and be a, a, a big unit in there, throwing some weight around or something. Because I 100% agree with what you just said with Townsend in that I, I appreciate Townsend a, is a bash and a crash and he provides good um, defensive pressure in the forward line. And that's an important thing. I understand that. But Every week I look at Townsend, he's getting three possessions and he's having to get, he's trying to outbody marks and, and balls dropping on his head. It's not the right way to play uh, Jacob Townsend. So I'd, I'd love, that's one question I really would love to ask the club is that why, when it's really obvious what you're trying to do or what, sorry, what, what could be done with Francis and Townsend um, swapping or including Francis and moving Townsend up in to be that in, in and under mid, why aren't we making sort of changes now and again i appreciate they've got a plan but why do you reckon we're not making changes well the francis one's interesting in, in that he when he came to the club i remember someone at eston saying to me you know we see this guy as a potential matthew pavlich type so he can play in the midfield he can play forward yeah. can play back and play anywhere now he never had the tank or the athleticism of pavlich so that was clearly going to be a hard task to hit that sort of height as well i mean he's clearly a, a, an all-time champ but um the idea is there to be that sort of big physical all-rounder. And I guess the emergence of Ridley sort of has, has cost him his spot yeah, as that yeah. as that emerging um, uh, sort of halfback, intercept halfback player who's a kicker. I'm not sure how many of those can you have because you probably don't need another one there at the moment because he's marking everything anyway. And 
and he's he's fan, been fantastic and been a great find. Um, yeah, it's an I, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I did, but I'm not yeah. sure exactly why um, Francis can't find a, a way into that side. And, and looking at the lineup last night, uh, if you just scroll through the names, I think a fair few people would look at the team and think there's a, there's an opportunity for, for him to be in that side ahead of a few others. Yeah, and w- one thing I, I found interesting uh, uh, was uh, Wush's press conference after the game. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a, a point that he raised that actually got a, got me of interest. I mean, he's he has had a year of, and you would know more than any of us, that of very vague answers after the games, uh, to say the least, if I'm being honest as a fan. Um, uh but last night they obviously asked him about Bontempelli and and saying, you know, was there any thought process of, of you know, of putting a, a shutdown kind of role on on him and, and lessening his impact. Uh, and his, look, his response was that, he you know, to, to develop the young mids, he doesn't want them to have basically tagging roles uh, at this point of their career. Uh, it's an interesting one because um, you've also got a coach in transition that also needs it to develop his tactical side as well. So it's a, it's kind of like, which one, which one do you take? Because you, you probably take removing a, a tactical side to the game, which a coach needs in, in having a shutdown kind of role. But I, I, I just wondered what your thoughts were, because obviously the, 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 the communication is we're just not going to have any accountable kind of uh, tagging kind of role. We need, when it's these young players that are playing, we want them to play with freedom and and and, and learn from their mistakes. Well, I'm not sure anyone in the, the team last night would have been or had the capabilities to run with Bontempelli. Uh, maybe maybe it is a Townsend, but I, I'm not sure the running power is there to do that throughout. And and the other midfielders, would you match up those smaller guys against him? You probably wouldn't. Uh, could you play Cole Langford against him as, as that runoff role? You know, uh, maybe, 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 but I mean, he, he went okay against Cripps. He's okay. Carton still won though. Uh, so uh, that's an option, but is it Dylan Clark? Everyone's spoken about Dylan Clark. I, I wouldn't be that hesitant to play Dylan Clark. He's a slightly bigger body than some of the others and he can find the, the ball himself. So he's not just purely stop, stop, stop. He is, but he actually has the mind to go, oh, here's a chance to get the footy and, and, and get things going. And, He's always been a ball winner, so it's a, mm. a natural thing for him to find the footy and do that. So, yeah, in terms of the the coaching philosophies and, and if sort of worst folds plan is indifference to, you know, the, the truck overall plan, I, th- I, th- I Rutten's calling the shots, I think. So uh, in terms of how they, they're playing, um, a lot of it is, is his thing and what they settle on will be a, a mutual call um, if there was some discussion on that. I don't think it would be a, a purely worst fold decision not to have a tagger. Yeah, uh, it's sorry. A very quick one. Um, I was noticing last night. Uh, uh, look, if I looks broke down McGrath and Parrish's game, right? I mean, they both were uh, competitive. I think McGrath still got to work on his kicking and and a little bit out of, out of control, probably panic kicking a little bit. But they were really that was all competitive, um, and I think that showed up a little bit on Merritt and Devon Smith. If I'm being realistically on guys who I expect. With Sheil and Heppel out, um, we like we spoke on a podcast before the game and said, you know, it puts a bit of a blowtorch the Dylan Sheil moment on Devon Smith and 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 Zach Merritt uh, mm. as as leaders uh, of the club and leaders of the midfield to 
step up their game. And uh, if I'm honest, I was, I was disappointed uh, that I still felt McGrath and Parrish were probably the, still the two better midfielders and showed probably a little bit more desire and leadership. I, 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 I might be being too harsh. I'd like to know exactly how much time Dev Smith played in the midfield. I don't know. Obviously watching the same feed as you guys from, from Melbourne at the moment. Yeah. So I don't know exactly the numbers there. I'd be interested though. I don't think he's, he's been very good. Um, yeah, to his standards, we, I think he's been solid without being or reaching or getting back to that 2018 sort of level, um, which I think he'd be the first to admit, to be honest. He's a pretty honest sort of operator. So, uh, yeah, they need him back to that level, though. And, and certainly he's, even his tackling numbers are a little bit down, even you know, putting in, in context the, the, the shorter games, I think they're slightly bit down compared to that year. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Zach Merritt's an interesting one, isn't he? Um, they've sort of thrown him around a little bit in terms of his role this year. He's played a bit more wing um, and the sort of full-time midfield spot off McGrath has maybe pushed him out to different spots outside the square at different stages. So yeah, I'm interested to see how the rest of the year goes for Zach. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Mate, all right, so... Scott and I were talking last night about that, and I think you mentioned it today. Everybody's had a bad, well, not everybody. There's been teams that have had a bad game um, this year, and it's been sort of gone against either form or what you would expect as the outcome of the game. Um, if we call the Carlton one a loss, but if we call this one the 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 ugly one that we've the, for the Bombers, where do you see Essendon? Honestly, like it. it four and two or whatever we are now, where do you see us as, and I know we're what, sixth or seventh, Scotty, in the in the ladder, but where do you see us in the whole comp? Do you see us at the pointy end or, again, are we at the moment in current form, given what we can produce yesterday, are we still middle-of-the-road kind of performing club? I still think they're middle-of-the-road. They're yet to prove anything to suggest they're not. Um, there's hopes to suggest they would be better and that they can be better and will be better. Yeah. And there's certainly some players who uh, have improved to, to think that that might be a chance in the future. There's a maybe a, a coaching philosophy that's different now that um, I was saying to someone the other day, Essendon's never been, I hope this makes sense, but Essendon's never been better than the sum of its parts. The sum of its parts has never been better than its parts. The parts have always been better than the sum. I think I was like there in yeah. the end. Um, <laughs> because... All the way through this this year, and even since 2012, 13, I know, I know there's some sort of lingering effects of all that era. But throughout that period, there's a stage where there were seven All Australians in the side, and they were finishing eighth and ninth. Like yeah. it was the most in the competition, and they just hadn't found a way to sort of work that everyone at their best or get together at their best and, and play at a level um, that's consistent with the with the others. So. Now that they probably don't have as much star quality, but there's still some quality players in there and players who've reached really high summits before. And I think there is a better capacity now to get the best out of them from a team perspective and, and maybe not be as personnel-driven. Yeah. Um, however, they're still... It's, I just, I, I'm not sure you can be uh, confident that it's in the next two years going to happen for them. Um, I mean, Michael Hurley's uh, a seriously... Uh, important part of that that back line. I'm not sure how long he goes on after that. Um, Kyle Hooker is 32 this year, um, and and there are signs at different stages in games where you think he's you know he's certainly closer to the end than, than the beginning. And 
that's probably where you see Brandon Zerk Thatcher coming and taking that role. I think, you know, in terms of key backs, they're probably in one position where they do have a little bit of yep. um, depth and even Paddy Ambrose can come in and, and play a spot once he's fit again. But, yeah, I mean, the big point is I don't think that forward line is going to win him a premiership. We, we look at – that's the big question on Collingwood at the moment. Is that a forward line in terms of the key forwards that can take him to the to the flag? And you, you yep. think, well – Look at that forward line compared to Essendon's and it's miles ahead, isn't it? And mm. that's the question mark on Collingwood with that midfield. Um, yeah. And even and even they haven't been able to do it with a midfield that's A++++ compared to Essendon's, which is maybe a B, B plus yeah. max. It's um, interesting Interesting on the on the call of the midfields. There was a, a controversial moment on the podcast last night, the reaction. <laughs> uh, we did a little reaction podcast after the game. And there was a bit of a controversial moment between Scotty and I in that <laughs> Scotty rates the dogs uh, midfield significantly higher than the bombers, and I call I call incorrect. Right. I, I'm talking I'm talking on paper. And one thing we didn't clarify yesterday is that if and I suppose we'd have to use the midfield that we had on the night. On paper, I call Parrish, Zerrett, McGrath, Langford, and those guys better than McRae, Hunter, and and I assume Bontempelli and the like. Bontempelli might put them over the top as a whole group, but what's your opinion? Who's got the better mids? Oh, the Bulldogs, mate, by mile. Oh, come on. <laughs> Sorry. McRae and Hunter, they're yeah. better than average footballers, but really? No, no they're good. Uh, Jack McRae's in all Australian last year. Lockie Hunter's uh, a star. Um <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, and also, you, you throw in Bailey Smith as well, who's dominating. Is he the unit with the big mullet? Yep, that's him. Yeah, he had a great game, and he's a big, strong-looking lump of a kid. He is, and then they've got a ball winner like Liber, who changes their whole mix. Uh, and you know, he's probably the inside grunt that Essendon doesn't really have. Um, yeah. Just feeds him out as well. So. Yeah, I think that centre line, they started last night with Craig Bonson, Belly Hunter. And what, what was Essendon's uh, centre line? It was Ham, McGrath, Parrish. You have to say that the the, the, the Bulldogs uh, have the edge at that point. Um, and then throwing the Ruckman, of course, too. Um, oh, mate, he, tell you what, that guy's <laughs> yeah. got a huge, there's a, there's a, there's a movie Scott and I both, both love with Mike Myers in it. And one of the quotes from it is. Austin that, Bowers. No, 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 no. What, what was that? What is Trek. the movie? What? So, sorry, no, Married an Axe Murderer. Yes, so I married an axe murderer. And one of the classic quotes from, from that movie was, look at the heed. He's a, he's a Scottish guy and he calls heads heed. He goes, look at the heed on that boy. That boy has got a massive cranium and even bigger hair. And he dead set looks like he weighs 45 kilos ring and wet. Well, but and he's got a massive a future too. He's outstanding yeah. and it's all coming together for him and, yeah, I, I don't know what they're in a bit of strife in terms of what they do in the ruck, aren't they? Because uh, yeah. last yeah. week, obviously, Andrew Phillips was was well beaten too by Todd Goldstein, who's been in good form. I know he held his own against um, Brady Grundy and, and did a pretty good job there in his first game in Essendon Colours, but it'd be fascinating to see what they do. And, and look, it's a good one to start yeah. closing the, the segment. And um, I, Essendon has an interesting one because. They have these really high, what I call very, very talented players that for the most of the year have been on the verge and, and just cannot get their bodies right. And, and, you know, if you go through the names, you know, I even even James Stewart would be, a fully fit James Stewart would be really important. 
probably to the side right now. But, you know, you, we're obviously talking about Joe Danaher, right? I mean, everyone can have their say on Joe Danaher and him leaving Sydney. The fact is uh, you and I would both see this Cal at training. He looks as happy as he's ever been, uh, for me anyway. Uh, and and you look at uh, Sammy Draper uh, and, like, there's, there's – there's a lot of talent in areas where really struggling, but they, that you feel like they're there. They're kind of like that two to six weeks off. Um, to you just can't bring them in. I I hear the call of bring Stewart in, bring Draper in. You know, let's just get Jerry right next week, and and they're just not reality. They're just their bodies aren't at that point. But it, it is a big hindrance to the club that they can't bring him in. Yeah, and that's the reason why I was in favour of what they did in the trade period last year and said, no, we're going to keep him and try best to get him right because beneath that tall forward group, there's not much there coming through, is there? I mean, you can pick up Harrison Jones and all of that, but that's a a long, long long-term fix. That's that's nothing... That's not going to help Michael Hurley win a premiership, is it? And, no, absolutely and if, not. And then if Michael Hurley and that defensive group sort of transition to their sort of back end of their career, then who's replacing them? So it's just like the you know ongoing cycle of it. So, uh, yeah, and that's why I was in favour of keeping him, seeing how he could go and, and potentially, um, you know, turning around his, his mind, particularly given the Swans never offered that pick five anyway. So, um, and they never had the option to do the, the two top 10 picks and that never came. So in that case, yeah, I, I was I was in favour of that. But, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because it would <laughs> yeah. make such a difference and it's it's just sad for him really um, yeah, yeah. that, you know, the last we saw of him really was 2017 and he's on fire, comes in last year, plays a great Anzac Day game from memory, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And then we've barely seen him since. We haven't really seen him since. So, um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing for him and the setback this week, yeah, I know it's. I know the club says it's minor and all that type of thing, but it just adds another level of precaution that they're going to have to be careful about. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's it's flattening for the club because he's certainly a, a huge missing piece, and without him, you see, it, it, I think it's going to be hard to challenge with that four group as it is. Yeah, he'd have to come in at some point at the end of the year to for us to, you know, to get to a next level, and and maybe even Heppel's leadership. He may not be a star Heppel, but he he. he you you do feel like last night was a very uh, a clear void of of midfield leaders uh, that just couldn't galvanise and, and coach the guys on the ground. Thanks so much, Cal. Look, I, just a very very quick one, just a, a parting thought. You've gone to training. How have you seen the difference with the Carousella truck working together to Woosha of the past uh, two or three years? Interesting question. <laughs> None of uh, Wush, Wush has never been a, a really vocal member of the coaching department in terms of on the track. I, I can't recall him too much um, berating or directing with any real gusto, but that's not his nature, is it? We, we don't see that really at any level. And what we see, you know, in a public form of, of John is, is pretty similar, I think, to what the players see in a, in a private form as well. So uh, I think he's been pretty methodical all the way through. Now, now you go to training, you casually hear. Truck's booming voice, don't you? You can hear the, the throttle of the, the, the deep throat and, and and saying to move here and move there. I think uh, what Carousella uh, clearly has touched gold everywhere he's gone. So yeah. I think there's a lot of trust and faith in what he's done. And it's funny, like everyone talks about the Richmond uh, IP, I guess, um, that, that has followed Essendon or followed those two to Essendon. 
there's, there is an argument to say it was their IP too. Like, you know, that Carousel had changed the way Richmond played a little bit as well. And he changed the way Richmond played as well. That defensive structure was a lot of his stuff. So as much as he might have left some IP at Richmond, he's also taken some of his own two bombers. Mm-hmm. And and last year uh, we wrote a piece on Truck recently a few weeks ago and, and just about that transition and some of the difficulties that were in place with bringing over a lot of the Richmond things because some of the personnel didn't match what the the, the plan was. And that was yep. about you know how... The, the Bombers have been so coached to outnumber and then all of a sudden they were trying to go one one short in the midfield and keep McGrath in the, in the, in the centre square as that sort of rolling coach and roll. Um, but, and also just the, the, the push-up work of the defensive group and whether Hurley and, and, and Hooker had the same running capacities, maybe Grimes and Asprey did. So there was, there's some, been some tweaks and last year was a big learning year for, for trucks. So I think to get Cara on board as well to, to offset the... Um, the defensive mindset with, or just, you know, yeah, sit beside the, the defensive mindset and, and, and add some flair to that as well has been really important. So, yeah, they clearly are the two guys who are controlling how they play um, yep. and, and John remains that sort of overseeing role. But I think he's always been that sort of overseeing role and someone who has um, delegated a fair bit to his assistants. Yeah. Yep. Thanks heaps, Cal, for joining us, mate. Uh, I know you've got a lot of work to do. The footy's still on today. Uh, <laughs> it's gone for us. But uh, uh, have a uh, look. We, we obviously uh, love your articles. I uh, love the, the way you think about the game. So, uh, look, even as, as guys who do this podcast and we talk about journalism a lot, we always talk about yourself as being one that we, we really rate uh, extremely high. And so... Uh, keep up the good work. You're keeping AFL.com uh, at a good at a good level. So well done. Um, and yeah, thanks heaps for joining the show. Um, and you're welcome guest anytime, mate. <laughs> no worries. Uh, look forward to seeing you all back at training at some point in the near future. Hopefully, we'll see <laughs> yes. what happens. But hopefully, hopefully on the other Thank side you. of the fence. Yeah. Thanks very much, Cal. We really appreciate it. Thanks, no Cal. Uh, we'll be right after the break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, um, a massive thank you to Cal Toomey, afl.com.au uh, writer. A bloke like that coming onto our podcast is just, uh, it's incredible. We, we really appreciate the man, um, his professionalism and his seniority within the AFL community to come onto the, to the podcast and give us um, his insights and his time on a Saturday morning. We really appreciate him. Thank you very much. Now, Scotty. Is there any positives we can take away from this game before we wrap things up? Very little, if I'm being honest. But, you know, <laughs> uh, look, I, I think probably the regulars for me, um, uh, probably Sadi played a Sadi game. Uh, he, he's been now, for me, the most consistent player uh, of the year where I felt like nearly every game he, he's he's played really well. So, um I thought McGrath, as much as he he did butcher the ball quite a bit, I thought he competed hard, and, and I'll and I'll take that <laughs> over what yeah. I saw from yeah, a lot absolutely. of. Yeah, uh, You know, he had a genuine care about playing 
well and 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 about trying to get the guys up. Uh, I thought Parrish did in little odds and ends did okay. Ridley's first half I thought was really really impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably was a victim of our midfield just breaking down a lot. I mean, uh, you wouldn't want to be a defender in that last night in last night's game. Uh, no with, way. With just just. 20 meters space running, <laughs> running down the forward line. Uh, but I mean, he took some, he took 10 marks uh, in this game. So uh, he just yeah. continues to get better and better that kid. And so look, they're, they're just a few shining lights. I, I'm not going to, uh, let's not have a whole week of slamming uh, Cahill or anything like that. You, that. I think that's one of the hardest things you'd ever want to debut is debut from a hub and I mean, his last game was what the the Dandong Sting race. <laughs> so, exactly so, uh, right he's at you know. I'm not gonna. He'll be much much better for the experience. A bit like Ham's first game when we all thought he was well below. Yeah. But, um, but so yeah, I mean, uh, congratulations to the guy. He'll get he'll get much better. They'll do a lot of videotapes. So I'm not fussed about that. But um, nah, he's a he's a fresh faced looking little kid too. I was, I saw him running around. Yeah. He's got that blonde hair, the little fresh face looking kid. He's a nuggety little kid. I like him. I like him. Besides that, uh, look, we, you know, Hooksy was okay. Hurley was okay. Um, but, you know, there was, you know, if I'm being honest, 15 players were, were down on form. So yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Reality. And, and that's the thing. So, mate, what's happening next week? So obviously, yeah, we we, we play the Crows. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much analysts. We'll do that on Thursday. So we've just got to win, and that's just there's no you know let's pretty simple a bit pretty of simple. a bit of fan talk here. We've just got to win that game. Uh, we've got to get to yeah. five and two. Five and two is at least something to build on. Respectable and yep. respectable. Um, oh, do you know what, Grant? Um, here's something very left field. You're going to laugh at this. <laughs> All right. On our last podcast, right, we had 15 people listen from Latvia. <laughs> We're big in Latvia, man. We're Latvia big in Latvia. Is our, as our breeding ground. Mate, um, I, and I might be showing up my uh, my grade six geography uh, learnings here, but I'm thinking Latvia is sort of Eastern European. We're massive in Eastern Europe. Um well, I one one I was looking at the SoundCloud stats, and we got one from Angola. Now we are huge in Angola. <laughs> yeah. I know the podcast is massive in Angola. Now, whomever is listening to us, you know, we did this with the guy that was in Israel one time. The 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 guy that oh, he was the uh, the dead. ambulance guy. He was sitting in his ambulance in Israel listening to the podcast. I I love that. I love the thing to think that our Voices uh, going through an ambulance listening to uh, in, in Israel. Mate, to the bloke who listened to us in Angola, a massive shout-out to you. <laughs> Get hold of us on the socials. Let us know your name. Uh, we will give you a massive shout-out because Angola is an emerging market for podcasts, <laughs> uh, I think, it's, and uh, we're, we're clearly yeah, leading the way epicenter. for for listens in Angola. So a massive shout-out to everybody in Angola. So, um, all right, so look, we'll, we'll wrap it up, Scotty. Like you said, we've just got to beat Adelaide. Um, they're on the bottom of the ladder. They're a gigantic rabble. Yeah. Um, we'll fly down to Adelaide and we will give the Bombers that chance, man. We'll give that bomb the Bombers that chance to go down, do what needs to be done. And again, if we beat Adelaide by 35 points, I, I'm frankly not going to be sitting there going, 
and lauding the performance from on high. I'm just going to say we go to Adelaide, we beat them by 20 points like we should, and we come home. Right? Like we yeah. just, we've got to go there and beat Adelaide and just do it in a workmanlike fashion, beat them like we did with North, get the hell out, be injury free, and come home and be five and two. That's what needs to happen this week. Yeah. So maybe, Scotty, let's, let's just see. The blowtorch is on the entire Essendon Footy Club. Yes, yes. All right, we're putting an an, an EFC wide blowtorch. Yes. To do what needs to be done in this game and get the win and get the hell out of um of Adelaide, um and come back and be five and two. So there's the lunchtime catch up podcast blowtorch for this week. It's the entire Essendon Football Club. Now, have you have you humbled yourself at all? To acknowledge to yourself, no, no, that no. Look, I will say this. I, I, I will say this about Grant, and everyone knows what I'm about to say. Grant is the most passionate Essendon man, and one thing I love about him is he sees every optimistic and potential of our of our players. So I love that he backs our midfield and says, "No, nah, we're better than that midfield." That's the thing I love about Grant. It's factually, it's obviously incorrect. Listen, but- mate, what does Cal Toomey really know? Like, what does he really know? Like, come on, man. Cal's, look, I don't know if Cal's, what game Cal's been watching for. No, look, I, I may have to do some, some thinking about this, considering <laughs> that I've had. all Australian uh, Western Bulldogs midfielders, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had the my, my rear end. I've got just like 25% of my rear end left uh, left from having it being chewed off um, by people saying that, come on, Grant, you're just wrong. I love it's- your optimism, though. I, that's, you know, that's, that's something you've always done. I love that part Mate, of you. Uh, thank you. Um, I think, though, yes, I'll, I'll do some thought. I'll, I'll do some <laughs> reflection, uh, especially um, given, uh, given that um, – Given that Cal Toomey sort of uh, said that, yeah, nah. And he was pretty emphatic too. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're recording this. What's annoying is that we're recording this on Zoom. And his and, face uh, kind of said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You can see the look on Cal's face when we raised the subject. It wasn't very much like sort of, there wasn't many pensive, furrowed brows or anything it from that, you. It was that unique counselling vibe, Brand. I've got that yeah. like, oh, you need help. Okay. So, yeah, it was it was very it was very quick and a very a very substantial eye roll uh, <laughs> when he's gone. Oh no, Grant! <laughs> no, 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 that's that's not that's not the case. Um, so look, I look, I still think no, nah, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Well, maybe we'll talk about it next podcast. But uh, I you, shall take. Look, you hate the, every uh, club except for Essendon. That's basically how your mindset's been. Pretty much, I. I this lauded Collingwood. You will not accept here. I know since we've been childhood friends, mate, since grade four, you have always, if ever I raise another player, another club, no nah, hack, no nah, hack. No, he's a hack. They're, they're hacks. They're not Essendon footballers. They don't know Gee, what Gary like played well hack. Yeah. That's right. You put that sash across your chest and run out on a game for, for the Essendon football club. You become 25% better footballer just by chucking the sash across. I won't hear anything to the contrary. And I love the Bombers. Anyway, um, on that note, we'll wrap it up, Scotty. Socials, and I'll mate. maybe uh, take a chill pill. How, how, now, how can um, people reach us on the socials? Yes, mate. Socials. Uh, the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast uh, Facebook page. Um, get in touch with us there. We're getting some, uh, this is where uh, 80% of my rear end has been chewed off uh, just over the last <laughs> couple of days about the last Essendon, 12 hours. <laughs> about the Essendon midfield. Um, so get a hold of us there. We love that sort of stuff. 
Um, you can get us at uh, Instagram, the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, Instagram. YouTube. Um, you can get uh, Scotty McNeese. You can find it through to the Red Sash. Um, it's his uh, Facebook page. Um, now, Twitter. We couldn't get the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, so we went with the Lunch Catch-Up on Twitter. Get hold of us on there as well. And also, you can get hold of us on um, uh, at the Patreon. Um, come and check us out on patreon.com. Um, forward slash lunchtime catch up podcast, extra content and that sort of stuff. Sign up. We appreciate everybody that's done so, so far. Um, so I think that's about it, Scotty. Yeah. And uh, final note is the, for our Patreons, just quickly, uh, a big thanks. But uh, obviously since uh, April 1st, we've, we've opened up the Patreon to the public and made it free because we didn't really, um, in just in the initial COVID period, we just thought it'd be a good opportunity for one to just people hear the shows and not uh, people who may financially be a bit stricken. Um, we just thought would give uh, three or four months of, of just free. Um, so just to give back, just look, just so people know, uh, in two weeks it does, the billing cycle will start again. Uh, we're very, very honest with people. If, if you can't, can't afford it, don't stress. Um, but, you know, the, the shows uh, will continue on, the Thursday show, the after game post show. They'll be on the Patreon. It's $2 if you do have. It's as little as $2. $2. Absolutely. So you for the rest of the year is is $12, $12 basically. So, um, yep. so, you know, you can get access to those shows. Um, but don't stress, we're not we're – not, we're not any money hungry kind of guys. No, uh, absolutely not. Like, it's you, literally just little, two bucks. There's it, a couple of tiers, five bucks and 12 bucks. For the 12 buck um, – uh, membership. I get. I come around and mow your lawns, um, and Scotty will um, yes. paint your house for you if you pay the, the twelve dollar one. Um, that's pay, subject to you. approval, yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, no, no. We we really appreciate all the patrons, and we've we've like you said, we've to because of COVID and everybody's um, potential situations, we've made it free. Um, but that's going to kick in in about two weeks. So we hope you can uh, join us for that extra content on Patreon. Thanks. So yeah, thanks so much, everyone. Uh, you can catch us on the Thursday night show this week. Actually, that will be out to you, free to the public as well. So look yep. forward to that. Interesting to see if the club makes uh, changes. Uh, it'll be a very- <coughs> Aaron Francis. <laughs> yes, let's hope. I think it's time for Aaron to, to reintroduce yeah. himself to the to the side. Uh, it'll be look uh, just quickly. It'll be very interesting how the coaches view this because I always find it. Interesting when I feel like the whole team is down. Uh, so how do you judge that? Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll maybe make a few hard calls on the Thursday show because I think one or two um, are really struggling and, and may just need a bit of a uh, uh, finding the footy in the scratch matches. Uh, yep. So we've got some talent. We've got the Francis, the Guelphies, the Stewarts. So there's 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 plays there. Uh, so and and Dylan Clark as well. So yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the club views it. So thanks again uh, for everyone. Um, your your um, your appreciation for the show and your feedback's been awesome. Yep, so this is us love it. signing off uh, and enjoy the rest of your day too, Grant. Yeah, mate, you too. Um, have a good weekend and we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Catch you, boys. Go Bombers. Bye.